be with me. You know, I like me better, too, when she's with me, you know, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's been with our, uh, our family, our new grandchild, for the last two weeks, and it'll be great to have her back. And uh, just want to say happy Father's Day, brothers, and those that that applies to. And, and it's a great day. I think our lesson today, out of Genesis, turn with me, if you would, to chapter 27, will be applicable any time of the year for almost any situation that we find ourselves in, but even more so today, and it's entitled The Blessing. And I also want to make another, uh, just two quick announcements. Um, I have gotten some really good feedback that uh, a lot of people would like more communication from me as a consultant about what's going on. So uh, when we haven't had much to communicate, we haven't communicated. So what we're going to do from the rest, the next two weeks that we're here, we're communicating three times a week, whether we have something to communicate or not, but we do actually have a lot to communicate right now. So expect something in your inbox tomorrow, and again by Thursday, and again by Saturday. Uh, we have a lot is going on these last couple weeks, and uh, I want to make sure that you he hear me, that I hear you. Secondarily, next Sunday, next Sunday, not two Sundays from now, not July or August, but next Sunday is Albert's last sermon as a West Side member. And his final departing words, not for life and all time, but for the duration that he's been here on the West Side. And I think about a passage, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And so, Al, I look forward to this coming Sunday hearing you encourage, comfort, and go ahead and urge us too, bro. Go ahead and urge us. And uh, we need that, and uh, I look forward to that uh, time next Sunday. Also, there is a planned event, a going away time. We'll have more information on that out to you by the end of the week as well about just some final time with Al and Gloria over the summer when that will be. So a lot's going on. Genesis chapter 27 has a story. I want to tell you how I arrived at this, um, this material. And around 1993, I was leading a Bible discussion group, and uh, I thought, I want to do a series. And I found this book called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And had some, there were some videos out there. So I think for about six weeks, we led a series in our neighborhood. We had more visitors than I think we'd ever had before for this topic. And then what was happening was something I had never seen before, is grown men weeping that I didn't even know, just because we picked a topic at random that we heard about, and it had such a connection um, spiritually and emotionally for people. So join with me as we read about a story of Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob, that evolves around a little bit of a tradition that's different than how we do things today, but has great applicability. And also be encouraged, because as we read about this family, no matter what family you've come from, it's less dysfunctional than this one. So you'll be more appreciative today, okay? Chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see... He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. 
Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you the blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and while I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do as I say. Go out and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son. Who? He answered, Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so that I can touch you, my son, and know whether or not you're really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your, your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and ate. He ate it, and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him. And kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And those who cursed you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence. His brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. 
Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? Which means the deceiver. And this is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, Why haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered, Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and have sustained him with the grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. You know, there's different traditions in this story that it relates to birthrights and practices for inheritance. But what jumps off the pages is the power of the influence of a father on his children and the different ways that we receive affirmation and validation can actually route the future of our lives. Dads, we are so important to our kids. We, we all have fathers, and the, the nature of our father relationship, or an earthly father relationship, has been significant in the development of our lives. For the good and for the challenges. I have words of hope today for those of you that has been challenging your relationship with your father. I will share some things, I think, biblically that are correct and how to remedy some of the, perhaps the broken relationships or the lack of wholeness that we may feel. There's some real help here. But we're going to talk about three things today. The meaning of a blessing, life without a blessing. We're only going to spend a short time there because this is Father's Day. And the power of a blessing. And so, let's, when we look at this family, we can see there's a lot of dysfunction that went way before Jacob and Isaac and continued on for a full generation. I think Jacob did some things at the end of his life to correct a lot of the dysfunction. But um, it's still, uh, you know, dysfunction is the gift that keeps on giving, you know. The meaning of a blessing. Let me share with you the timeless meaning of a blessing where you can find evidence in scriptures and a relationship not only between a father and a child, but between other figures, other mentoring, guiding figures in our lives. Number one is affection, which is meaningful touch. doesn't really help when somebody actually likes you that's older than you, a father or a father in the faith, and comes up and puts their arm around you, maybe rubs your back, you know, all the appropriate ways of this, of course, you know. Um, but just, you know, lets you know with a touch or a hug how much you mean. I know that I need these things. I did certainly in the more formative years of my life. And touch is a big one. Um, in my family, we were kind of touchy. My mom was. I'm the oldest of four boys. And my wife's family, they didn't really touch after a second, uh, after like two years of age. Just not a whole lot. They just didn't. But there are other ways to feel a blessing than touch. And uh, words of encouragement. You know, here's what I think of you when I think of you. Here's how I think about you. And those words of encouragement can be a healing bomb in the soul. And they actually just mean so much more sometimes from voices of authority like a dad. And, and they, can, they can make a big difference. 
I said I'm the oldest of four boys, but that's not a real complete picture of our family. Um, I spent most of my formative years in St. Charles, Illinois. I was the one that got in all the trouble for all four of us. I ransacked apartments, vehicles. I hung around with a really wild crowd. I was part of a CB radio crowd, which back in the day in the 70s, they were kind of wild. A lot of alcohol. I was in another group that was an off-roading group. I had a CJ5, big knobby tires, the whole thing. We'd have a lot of fun. Everybody had off-road vehicles, and sometimes those groups overlapped, and there was no good that came out of any of it, none whatsoever. Um, and, you know, I didn't grow up with a father. He's about 80 years old now, but whoever really expressed to me directly anything positive or negative, he's just a man of few words. So every once in a while, I would overhear him bragging about me to somebody not knowing that I was nearby. And if I kind of walked into the room, he'd stop talking. But I learned that he actually did like me. <laughs> but I had to kind of, you know, and sometimes my, my mom would say, uh, you know, here's what Joe was saying about you. And I would be like, wow. You know, and we need those things. Around the age of 17, I got in so much trouble. I mean, lots of trouble. And all my friends of this particular group got arrested for some of the vandalism that we were doing, but I just so happened not to be vandalizing anymore because I got in trouble by my parents. So they had all these records, and I didn't. But I was still a young, angry man, really upset. So while I was grounded, uh, my dad had this... My dad used to like to make all sorts of things, furniture and stuff. He had an incredible shop. I just took over the shop. I didn't ask permission. I just took it over and became very involved in making things with electronics. And I made uh, CB radio power boosters. Everybody that had a television within blocks would hear me talking on CB radio because I would be blasting through. You know, you're supposed to have four-watt radios. I had like 230 watts. I mean, I was just cranking. And uh, I made uh, brainwave monitors that studied alphagenics. I was a violent geek. <laughs> um, I made music synthesizers and uh, organs. And uh, my handle on CB radio was Music Man. But I, to this day, I still can't play anything but a CD player. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> but th that, there was about the year my dad just let me have his workshop. And he would just say, hey, what you doing? And he showed great interest in me. A few words, but I knew he was proud. And it helped me get through a very difficult period. We need words of encouragement. Appreciation, where it is personal high value for a distinctive trait that we have. When we hear somebody say, you specifically, uniquely have this or are this. That's another way we can receive a blessing. A vision, a personal vision for our lives looking forward when somebody comes along in your life. And somebody who's actually going to back it up with a plan of active commitment. You know, the pieces that I didn't get in my family, and I'm really grateful for my family, I got as a Christian. And I had these men in my life who fulfilled these other aspects uh, Marty Fuquay, Roger Lamb, John Mannell, Ron Brumley, and the list goes on. And then I became things and did things that I never had intended on doing. 
I never wanted to go to college. I went to two-year college, and I said, that's it. Then I changed my mind went to four-year college. I went to four-year college, and I'm just done with school. Oh, wait, this was easier than I thought. So then I went into grad school. And I have two and a half master's degrees, and I would be back in school right now for a Ph.D. if I could make it work. I love school. But I was such, I was such a misfit. And the pieces that didn't get sorted out from growing up till the age 22 when I became a Christian got a lot better because of people in my lives. And I just want to talk about the meaning of a blessing can show up in many ways. But it's really good for us as fathers to recognize it, sons and daughters to recognize it, and then not to think critically about the people that we didn't feel like we could get it from. You know, my father, I said he was a man of so few words, and he still is. But I remember my grandfather, and he was that way too. Because even our fathers are sons. Here's some facts. It is historically, or uh, study-wise, arguable that fathers have more power to to just uh, send on the blessing than mothers. Mothers can compensate, but it is really best because there is a sense of a God connection through father, a similarity with the gender in the minds of people. Um, Other people can fulfill that role. And that, biblically speaking, God can compensate and make up for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Bible teaches that. So that is the meaning of a blessing. What happens without a blessing? Let's look at Esau for just a second, and we can see what happens, and it's not so exciting. You know, Esau is really struggling here. In verse 39, Isaac tells him what his blessing will be. It's so bad that I'm not even going to read it. Verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? So that's a, uh, that's a difficult moment for the family. It's a symbol of they really messed up with this idea of favorites. Favorites is so not appropriate in the family at all. That's just one symptom of all their problems. But, you know, that rift between Jacob and Esau shows up for many chapters to come. And and it's sad because Jacob has some guilt. And he has some insecurity. He has some fear of his brother. And they have to renegotiate their relationship long after that. People that don't feel valid in life tend to invalidate other people. And that's why it's really good to get people into our lives. Insecurity is one of those things that I believe gets mislabeled as, oh, you know, they're so insecure, let's just encourage them. Well, that is part of the remedy for insecurity, for sure. But insecurity can actually be very harmful when people act out on it. Okay? And so we've got to make sure we're addressing how people are managing their insecurity. Especially, it's easy to see in a tight community like a family or a congregation. 
And um, like I said, I don't want to spend much time on life without a blessing, but I want to read some two positive passages that will help you if you find, feel in yourself there's a void there. In Psalm 68, verse 4, Sing to God, sing in praise of His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before Him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in sun-scorched land. You know what we find out is that God is still a father to the fatherless, and He has a provision for people that don't have that aspect complete in their lives, that they can be in extended families, like the family of God. And, and that is such an awesome thing. I remember times stumbling upon this principle and not realizing the positive impact I had on somebody when I was just being casual. I remember somebody that had uh, left God in the church in a most intense way that had to be put out of the church. But I have memory problems, and so years later he came to church, and I completely forgot that he was put out of the church. So when I saw him, Dave, it's so great to see you! And here he was, so full of shame because of the awful things he had done a couple of years back. And then I saw the countenance on his face that he saw in me as somebody who was embracing him. And then it hit me, I remembered. And I go, I'm so glad I forgot. Because then we had this thing called spiritual recovery in the church where we actually taught on stuff like this. And he would come to those meetings and I would find out his background, things I didn't know before when he was put out of the church. And it gave me a sense of compassion on him. So God blinded my memory to help out Dave. And so we can do that for each other. We don't have to hold people in society, famous people or people that come into our churches, hostage for the things they've done in their life even as a member of God's community. And we can see them as God sees them. And perhaps the reason people act out the way they do sometimes is they need the healing love of somebody that reminds them of God that says, I'm for you. We can get through this. Another passage Hosea 11, verses 3 and 4. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. You know, the invisible hand of God, He is our Father when we don't even see Him. And He does things through circumstances, and through people that remind us He's our Father. Sometimes it's good and we have a time with God in our morning quiet time or whatever we call it just to log all the moments where His presence was felt and the things that He did to get us through the dark times. He is our Father. The power of the blessing. Closing point here today. In Genesis chapter 28... Here's the blessing that he actually gets, that Jacob gets. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May God give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner. 
and the land God gave to Abraham. There's some other great passages about that powerfully express the concept of blessing. Number 6, 24 through 26, Isaiah 43, 3 and 4. But the power of a felt blessing is when you want something or desire or feel like you need something and you're given it with a promise for the future that you will flourish with it, it can have an impact. And see, we, we get the immediate impact right here in Scripture. Genesis chapter 28. We get it right after the blessing. And there, there's a theological lesson here. In verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give to you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stony place under his head, set up a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. So what, God, what Jacob did here is he was so stirred and so moved by this blessing that he worshipped. You know, when... We are completed on the inside. When we are healed on the inside, we are touched, we are validated, we are affirmed. We feel accepted. We feel on the inside what we're important. We matter to God. And, of course, a lot of that gets communicated through other people, through preaching and everything else. But when we feel like that, you know what we want to do? We want to do something great for God. The things that I have accomplished the best in my 33-year Christian walk came about... Because of what was going on inside of me first. But if somebody says, Steve, go do this. Make this happen or whatever. And you know, that's all right to get direction. That's not the problem. But if it comes about that, only that, in my personal experience, is not great, it will be short-lived. I won't have the oomph, the stain power to stick to it. It won't be near as excellent. So the key here, brothers and sisters, men and women, fathers and it doesn't matter what your station in relationship to being a dad or not. This is true for all of us. If we connect to God, if we sense His presence, and we can say, He's in this place. He's right here. He's in my home. He's in my quiet time in the morning. He's in my car. He's in my experiences. He's in the discipling times and mentoring and training times. He's in the rock classes on Sunday morning before church. He's in midweeks. He's in the workplace with me. When we sense that He is with us, then we're like, hey, we can do great things. And it'll just ooze out of us. We'll come up with things. Nobody will have to suggest them to us. We'll say, oh, this place will just, let me get a rock. And we're going to make it a special place. That's what happens, and that's what can happen. 
That's what I see with Jesus and the disciples. They had something really, really awesome that happened to them. They took a while, took a few years for maybe even to interpret it all. But after he raised and ascended, they're looking back. Okay, they're like, hey, we got a lot to do. Let's get organized. Let's get a replacement for Judas. Let's all meet in the colonnade. Let's, let's, oh, the Holy Spirit comes. And boom, the rest is history. Let's accept God's blessing. Let's get our needs met the best that we can for the incomplete areas from the parenting experience we've had. Let's be the father to the fatherless. Let's create home for those who feel like they don't have a home. And then, in, in so far as it depends on us, let's try to have an experience with God that will be the driving force in our life to worship Him. Thank you very much. We'll close and have one more song.